You're listening to the Superpower Podcast, Superpower Kids Edition, where author, philanthropist, and Superpower Kids founder, Neverly Rekla, inspires kids to discover their superpowers and change the Hi, world. Hi everyone, this is your Superpower Kid, Neva Lee Rekla, and today I'm so extremely excited for today's interview. We are talking about Be the Change, and I've made an impact and has changed other people's lives but so many other people have changed my life. And two of those people are our guests today, Jill Chambers and Michael Peterson. We met at CEO Space International. They're both so extremely amazing and inspirational. Jill was a colonel in the army and was in the Pentagon during 9-11. And Michael sings all around the world and performs for our troops who are, who are serving for our country. So without further ado, will you help me welcome our amazing guest, Jill and Michael. Hi, guys. Uh, hi, hi, Neva. That was so hi, sweet. Oh, you thank are you. just a natural. My goodness, we're so happy to be here with you. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you guys on. Thanks. Thanks. So what are your guys' superpowers? My superpower is this one that I adopted, actually. It's named, it's named Jill. Oh. <laughs> Very good thing about me is, is comes out of her. No, that's very sweet. No, she's, she's, so, she's such an inspiration to me. You know, um, you said the theme is be the change. And I would have to say that Jill exemplifies that. She, you know, she has, if she has something she's focused on and is committed to, she doesn't talk about it. She doesn't go, hey, look at me, I'm doing it. You never even hardly see her sweat. No. She's like that kid in the commercial where they, the whole team gets punished because the one kid isn't sweating and the coach thinks nobody else is working hard. <laughs> that was Jill, right? She's good deodorant. Well, she, she, she is, um, she's, a, she's an agent for change, but she just goes and does it. You know, she, she just exemplifies it. So no. I would say, you know, it's sort of a silly thing to say, but I would say having Jill in my life has enhanced my superpowers and, and, and challenge me to grow. That's awesome. Oh, well, that's very sweet. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Good night. Well, now that he's done all that nice stuff about me. No, you don't have to say anything know, nice about I know. me. That's fine. You know, I, I actually had a chance to talk with your mom a few weeks ago, and we talked about this superpowers. And it's, it's such a good question for people to then reflect on what, what they, how they feel about themselves and what they feel like they can bring to the world. Um, yeah, you know, when, when I've thought about this before, it feels like the, just um, the ability to actually calm my life down. And I know that might seem like a silly superpower, but the recognizing that the, the running and the striving and the grabbing and the reaching are all good things, but the, just having the idea of balance, being able to play and work, and sleep, and run, and just do all of that, but all, all in good balance, good food, good friends. Um, it's really nice to be able to think about all that and incorporate that in my life now. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to add to that, too. Okay. Um, years ago, there was a friend of ours who gave us an illustration that I'd never thought of my life in this light before. He said, so many people go through life as though they're sitting at a stoplight, with their foot on the brake all the way to the floor and their other foot on the gas all the way to the floor. And he said, you know, it's like we're revved up all the time. We're revved up, even when we should be at rest. 
And, uh, and I think that's part of what I think of when Jill says what she just shared, that that is a superpower, is the ability um, to be in gear and be fully on point without having to be so wound up. It just, it's not necessary. You don't have to have your adrenaline at full tilt in order to be effective and powerful. But it, takes lear- it took some learning to recognize that. I know. But that, is a, that is a, gives you the ability to be calm. In the, in the face of stress. And that's just, I think that is a superpower. Not a lot of people are maximizing that. No. Yeah. It takes time to, unfortunately, we had to wait till we're this age to figure this out. So it's exciting for your younger listeners if they can start, at least think about that and, and reflect on that every now and then. I honestly get more work done now, um, and we're very, very busy, than I did in, in the Pentagon, where we were extremely busy, but we were so ramped up. And sometimes it was hard to get things done because you're so ramped up thinking that that's how you had to be in order to get things done. It's not yeah. the case. We've exactly. learned. <laughs> so um, I, I'll give, a, I'll give a, a more serious answer to the question you asked about my superpowers. I, I think um, it's tough sometimes to evaluate what your own superpowers are because you don't see yourself. Sometimes it's easier to think, well, what do other people say they recognize in me as a gift. Um, And then you come to see it maybe as a gift yourself. And I would think um, creativity for me, Mm. the ability to to, uh, catch a brand new idea and and imagine, and I love the word imagine, imagine what the possibilities would be for that idea, whatever idea it is. Um, It's something that I've nurtured for years and years, but I think it's also something that kind of came natural to me. And I used to take it for granted until I had a lot of people say to me that, that it wasn't so easy for them. So I guess maybe that's a superpower for me. Yeah, that's a good superpower to have. And a lot of people, when they become adults, they'll take being creative for granted and sometimes say, oh, that's more of a childish thing. But then really that's such a gift to have because some people live their life in like black and white. And then when there's so many other colors surrounding them. And so. That's right. It, it is a gift. I see him in this. I mean, I've, I re- have rarely seen adults be as creative as Michael. He can walk along and see a crack in the sidewalk. And the next thing you know, it's morphed into this beautiful design. And he's then thinking of a tagline to go along with this crack. And it's, there's a whole advertising campaign that just happens. In a, in a minute, he can he can just do that. Yeah. And it, it's exhausting if you're my partner. Sometimes. <laughs> it's, hey, I have an idea. Hey, did you think about... Uh, oh, wait, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have that creativeness as well. And so when I see someone else who has that creativeness inside of them, and I can see it, and then they take it for granted, it's such an interesting thing to witness because I just want to be like, come on, be creative with me. (laughs) That's so great. Yes, you do. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. How did you guys meet? Uh, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear this. Yeah. Well, um, I was, um, in the, in the shadow of nine 11, I was really feeling a strong desire to make a contribution somehow as so many 
people wanted to make a contribution. And so I had said to my agent, if he would allow me the opportunity uh, to serve soldiers and their families or military members and their families, um, if there was that opportunity, I, I wouldn't need to worry about getting paid. Just, you know, let me know and I'll do it. So I was doing, uh, I, was, I was responding to, a, to an invitation that I had to do an event at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And it was that night that I met the vice chief of staff of the army and his assistant, exec, executive officer, I guess they call him, um, asked for my contact information. And, uh, I, you know, I gave it to him. Um, sort of typical songwriter fashion. I gave it to him written on, on a napkin and with a pen, <laughs> with a Sharpie probably, you know, uh, very, very professional. Um, and, uh, and I gave it, to, gave it to this guy, not knowing if I would ever hear from him or, you know, what would come of it. And about a week later, or maybe two weeks later, mm -hmm. I got a phone call from some guys, uh, some guy at the Pentagon. He said it was the Pentagon. And at first I thought it was some friends of mine playing a trick on me. Like, oh yeah, sure you're calling me from the Pentagon. Right? <laughs> Um, but it wasn't, it was a gentleman named Mike Anastasio and, um, he worked for Jill. So the, uh, XO for the vice chief of staff of the army had given my napkin with my phone number on it to me, her. Jill was the uh, director of strategic communications for all of the army at that point, which, um, her job was, uh, among other things to help, uh, create new ways of sharing the army message. And uh, the vice chief of staff of the army, her boss, four-star general, gave her my contact information and said, hey, this guy's good for the army, we should work with him. At which point I'll hand off to Jill. And I said, what am I gonna do with this? <laughs> and I actually gave, the, gave that information to a gentleman that I worked with and said, you call this guy, I don't know country music, I don't get why we have this you take care of it. Well, the day came where we had invi invited Michael to come out to Washington, D.C. We actually wanted him to come to Fort Meade where the Army Field Band was because it was music and it seemed like that's the thing to do. So the morning that he was due to arrive, I'm still sitting back in Washington, D.C. So Fort Meade is about an hour away. And I thought, uh-oh, what if my boss asks me how this meeting goes with this Michael Peterson guy and I don't even show up for the meeting? So I hopped in my car and drove the hour all the way over to Fort Meade to meet Michael. Sometimes fear is a gift. It, it, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know what? The, the best thing about actually meeting him for the first time is I saw him walk in to the building. And there was probably about 23 or 24 of our service members who were there, um, field band guys. So they were music guys, um, all lined up ready to meet Michael because they were all excited about Michael Peterson. And I watched from a distance that Michael just introduced himself to every single person, you know, hello, Neva, hello, Tanya. He's just all the way down the line, like 23 of them. And he asked specific questions like, um, Neva, where did you go to school? What are you studying? Um, how do you like the Army? Just very specific questions. So it was about seven hours later after we, you know, showed Michael around and we did some talking. He went back. And this was the trick. He went back to every single person that he had met, called them by their first name, and recalled a specific thing about that person. I have never seen anybody do that ever in my entire life, particularly with Pentagon, people who come to the Pentagon because they just want money. They just, they come and they introduce themselves. Looking for contracts. Hey, I've got a deal. Yeah. I've got a deal. And Michael was completely the opposite. 
he just wanted to know everybody. He wanted to know what was, everybody was up to. And I thought, hmm, now that's a different kind of fellow. So we, that's the, that was our first meeting. And then, I don't know, 12 years later, we she got married. She fell in love with me instantly. <laughs> We did we did an awful lot of work together. We ended up um, going to Iraq and Afghanistan eleven times together. So nine, nine times together. Yeah. Um, just you know, as as battle buddies, and I learned that he was going to take good care of me, and he could trust me to keep him out of trouble. And Jill um, always had my back. You know, we just took really good care of each other. We were very very good friends um, before we got married, and that made a huge difference in how we got together. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, thank That's you. a really cool story. We might seem to be a, on the surface, like people say, the cowboy and the colonel, how did that happen? They're such different worlds. But, you know, Jill and I have so much in common. You know, we're, we're very close in age. Uh, we grew up, you know, listening to the same cultural things, music, TV shows, all that. So those things yeah. we have in common. But on top of that, Jill loves music. Jill loves sports. Jill's uh, a very sort of balanced from a gender standpoint. She... You know, she's very feminine, but she's also has a side of her that, that appreciates things that are maybe culturally, traditionally male things. So, and I, and I feel like I'm the same way, you yeah, know, just sort of bad, gender balanced. And, uh, and so we just have so much in common in spite of the different career paths that we took. It just makes it so much fun, more fun yeah. now. Yeah. And she That's always, really cool. yes, whatever I ask, like when I ask for a new truck or something, she always says, no. No, that's no. no. This is yeah, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's an amazing story, oh, and I would love to keep talking with you guys more. But we actually have to take take a quick break. Yep. Can you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you? Yeah, they can find out more about Jill at this T H I S able vet. This able vet sounds sort of like disabled vet, but it's this able vet dot com. MichaelPetersonOnline.com. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely go check their websites out because they are such amazing people. So we will be right back after the break. We've been talking with Jill Chambers and Michael Peterson about Be the Change. We'll be right back. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer -peer learning, intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you are ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, we're back and we've been talking with Jill Chambers and Michael Peterson about Be the Change. So we actually get to do funny FaceTime. Okay. So basically... We are going to make our funniest faces in three seconds. Are you guys ready? Yes. Three, two, one. <laughs> That's a face. That's awesome. <laughs> no one has ever done that. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> We take them with us everywhere we go. That's Presto and Changeo. 
That's awesome. And they have three kids. Uh-oh, oh no. And Play-Doh. And Play-Doh. <laughs> <laughs> those are interesting kids' names, but those are, yeah, are. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So as most of my listeners know, I've, I'm writing a book, but I don't want to talk about my book. I want to talk about your guys' book, and I actually have it right here oh, called Little Is Good. Yeah. So can you explain to our listeners the background of why you chose to write this book? Well, it, it, for me, it started, started with it. Um, Jill. You know, Jill is, you know, is a petite human being. I mean, she's... <laughs> She's uh, it's a nice you know, way of saying short. <laughs> well, she's she's tiny, you know, and, and when she was really when she was a, ba- a baby and a young child, she was petite for her age too. You know, it's not like she was fully grown in fourth grade and then everybody caught up and passed. <laughs> yeah. You know, she she was always really petite, and I've I've often heard people say that little kids, when you're really little, everything is so big, and you forget that when you're an adult, right? And so. Um, that children often deal with anxiety around everything being so big, like a dog, a normal sized dog will come up to you and it's a giant, right? (laughs) So um, when you're eye to eye with the dog, the Cocker Spaniel, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. So, um, so Jill, you know, grew up, you know, with some um, language that she adopted that uh, she used to encourage herself and celebrate her, her, uh, her gift of being small. And so uh, I got to witness that in the Pentagon a couple of times early in our relationship where she would have a, a big important meeting, you know, and here comes a hundred pounder, I call her, you know, here comes the hundred pounder, you know, like the woman in this culture of men, she weighs a hundred pounds. Like what could she ever do? So she'd go to these meetings and she'd slay the dragon, you know, and she'd come back and she'd be like, even though I'm tiny, I'm tiny, I'm I'm ferocious when provoked. You know that kind of like that attitude, right? And she'd sometimes she'd put her hands on her hips and she'd say, "Little is good," and, <laughs> like that, you know. It's sort of a funny little thing. And, and I saw her do that. I don't know, maybe a dozen times. And one day, she did it in her office. And after some big meeting she had, and I looked at her and I just said, "Okay, wait, 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 wait." She said, "What?" I said, "I have to tell you something I just saw in my mind." Creativity. She said, "What is that?" I said, "Well." I saw this little cartoon character and she just slayed a giant and she has her foot on his chest and she thrusts one arm in the air and she says, little is good. <laughs> and I said, you know what? There should be a cartoon called little is, that would be her name. The character's name is little is good. And, and it would be the, all these adventures that she has where she goes and does all these incredible things, even though she's little. And so that's kind of where it started. And so <laughs> You know, fast forward, I don't know, five or six years, I kept bringing it up and she kept saying, no, and I bring it up. She say no. And one day she said, well, you keep talking about this. When are we going to do something about it? So I said, okay, let's do something about it. So I called my friend Guy Gilchrist. Guy is a, a world-renowned illustrator. Among other things, he, he uh, was the co-creator of Muppet Babies with Jim Henson. And, uh, you know, his illustrated 50 children's books and really knew what he was doing. I didn't know you know, really anything, first thing about it. So I called him and I said, hey, have a meeting with me. And I shared the idea with him. He liked the idea. And he said, well, let me meet Jill. So Jill came to a, a meeting with a Guy and I. And Guy brought with him his big sketch pad. And, uh, and he sat down very early in the meeting. And he kept looking at Jill. 
and he kept looking down at his sketch pad. And finally, he just picked up his sketch pad and he's looking at Jill and he started to just draw a caricature of Jill. <laughs> and then when he turned it around and showed us, it was the character that you see on the front of the book, if you could show your audience. Oh, wow. That was what he drew. And he said, he little that. is good is Jill. It's Jill as a little girl, and these are her adventures. So we just decided that it would be fun to, um, to, to create a book that would encourage kindergartners to second graders, kind of that age group, about their superpower, you know, uh, which is being little, which is the superpower, but you might not think of it that way. But if you read all the adventures, she's got superpowers, baby. Yeah. So <laughs> that was awesome. a little story, I guess. But yeah, I mean, that was, no, that was how it came about. Yeah. That's cool. See, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm a lot taller than most kids my age. And so I'll see some kids my age and they'll look up at me like I'm a giant. Oh, really? And I'm like, and so. Okay, so one of our books, one of our books should be, we should do a book together. And the book would be, would be two characters. One is Little is good. Okay. And the other, her name is Big is Better. <laughs> so little is good and big is better. <laughs> but they're best friends. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll take care of you. And should together, we have a book celebrating, and big would help little, and little would help big. And together, they would change the world. Well, and also in the Little Is Good book, you know, there's a, a dog that follows her around everywhere. Mm-hmm. We call that, that, that dog Tiny Dog, and that's our tiny, t- tiny dog, and that's Michael. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a dog. See, that's what I get. She's a superhero with superpowers. I'm a dog. But you're the cutest doggy. Hey, dogs are as equal as superheroes in my book. So there you go. So it'd be fun for you to write a, a book about the uh, all the benefits of being um, taller than. Like uh, on Halloween, you can reach over all those little kids. Oh, look at right. you! Yeah, like that and all yeah. that. <laughs> That'd be fun. Hilarious. It would. <laughs> so what were you guys like as kids? You explained it a little bit, but what were your interests? Oh, I mine's so easy. I as long as I was outdoors, I was happy. I just ha- outdoors. Whatever you do, I I never even hardly got in trouble because the trouble would be I'd have to stay inside. Everything was outdoors, which is why I love playing all kinds of sports and I, you know, my dad was kind of my superhero in a way. So when he would come home from work, if I had everything done, my homework, whatever I was supposed to do, any chores, I could be outside and play with him until the lights came on or we had to go to eat dinner and we'd be back outside. But I was playful and athletic. (laughs) And what about you, tiny dog? Um, What was (laughs) I like as a kid? Um, Well, early childhood memories I have. I remember my grandma saying to me when I was about six, or seven that I had ESP and I remember saying to her what's ESP and she said you know extrasensory perception of course I didn't even know how to spell those words never mind understood it <laughs> but I think what as I grew up what one of the things that I came to understand was that she recognized that I was a sensitive kid mm-hmm. you know I was a kid that was sensitive to things not necessarily in the sense you might think of sensitive like like I was um easily offended or things like that, but more that I just was sensitive to stuff well, around me. I picked, yeah, I picked up on, other, on energy and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I think that for me as a kid, that probably people who knew me would say a thoughtful, kind, sensitive, creative kid. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Um, like we'll go into a business conference, and I'm like a sponge. Like I imagine a sponge, and everyone around me is the water, and like I just absorb. This person over here is stressed, and so I absorb that. This person over here is hungry, so I absorb that, and I'll absorb. Absorb. I can't say that word. Um, I will take in all these people's energies, yeah. and then I have to go go back to that person. But good. I can kind of agree on that. Oh, good for you. Good to know that to, to give that back and you don't take it on, but you recognize it. That's yeah. really, that's that is wonderful. How did you learn? How did you learn that distinction? To learn to to not um, keep with you like in a permanent fashion. My parents. Yeah, they recognize they, you did. Yeah. Um, because the best thing to do is, like, don't take it in, but don't throw it out on other people. And so, and, like, giving it back, it's like I almost imagine rejuvenating it. Good. And however I can, and then giving it back to the person, but not taking on anything else that may not have been positive. That's so healthy. Good for you. No Thank wonder you. you're a healthy, happy, happy young lady. <laughs> I think that's great. Thank you. Sure. So what is it like? I know you guys have changed many people's lives. What is it like living in that courage? How did you take that leap of faith to help other people? That's a good question. You know, as when I explained how I was as a child, one of the other things I think, and I think Michael was like this too, is that, um, when we saw conflict, and I'm saying we because you and I have talked about this, um, we, uh, I'll now just use I, but I kind of wanted to be in the middle as the mediator and say, no, no, wait, every, we can all work this out. You're peacemaker. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, I, I wanted, wanted peace around me. You're right. Um, and it's not that's who I was, but that's, feel, that's how it made me feel good. Mm-hmm. So um, getting older and then going, you know, into college and getting a, a degree in, public administration, human resources, I'm falling right back into helping people. That's what human resources, that's what you do. And now then when I went into the army, I went into the adjutant general corps and that's all about personnel and that's solving everybody's sometimes personal, but as well as personnel problems. So finding solutions to then see someone be happy and move on into a better behavior, a, a better life feels wonderful to me. I love helping when people want help. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, for me, um, probably like a lot of your viewers and listeners, uh, my home life was, uh, had a, some trauma and adversity in my childhood. And, um, you know, coming through trauma and adversity of all different kinds, I won't name what mine was because Everybody has their own. Uh, But coming through that gave me a great appreciation for the people that were there to help me through it. Yeah. And so I I think uh, when you have received great gifts from others, for me anyway, um, it was felt so good to be helped by others that then I thought if I could do that for other people, that would be something Mm -hmm. that would feel good to do as well. So I think pretty early in my life, I began to be attracted to um, inspirational speakers and, and, and uh, you know, great pieces of literature that would talk about inspiration and 
motivation and things like that. So young in my life, I began to uh, um, memorize and adopt those thoughts because I knew that I needed them in my life to encourage myself. So um, my helping others, I think, came out of my own brokenness as opposed to me saying, hey, I have so much to give. I, I think I can give it to other people. It really came more out of being helped myself and then seeing how good that felt to me and maybe I could help others the way I'd been helped. That's, that's nice. really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Because um, I've, I've met some people where the idea of like taking that step towards helping other people is really scary to them. And so they like back away into this dark corner. And then as they grow up more, they start to hide even more because they didn't take it on as a kid. And so, and that's why I've like the blessing of being able to learn this stuff as a kid. Cause that way when I'm older, I'll be able to teach so many other people. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. (laughs) You're you're quite remarkable and you have two wonderful parents and that really helps. It really does. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, metaphors around the dynamic of what happens when you give, but I really, particularly, love the metaphor of a candle. You know, if I if I take my candle and light yours, it never diminishes mine. You know, it only it only spreads, and um, there's something really beautiful and powerful about that, and it really does work that way for the most part in life when when you need a smile, share one with somebody and you'll, and you'll get one yourself. Yeah, exactly. Because the idea of helping someone, that's what brings joy to me. But like, and you look at it and it's almost like the idea of going back into a corner is almost even worse Mm -hmm. than stepping out into the light for a second, even though it might be a little scary, but being in the darkness would be so much scarier. Right. That's a very good point. Thank you. Yeah. So I do something on the show called Super Neva Questions. Okay. And basically what's going to happen is I'm going to ask you guys questions as fast as I can. Okay. And you'll answer them as fast as you can. All right. Kind of as a group or one at a time? Um, you can do one at a time. Okay. So okay. Do- what is your favorite color? Blue. What is your favorite animal? Oh, I, I thought you yeah. wanted time like being be like switch. You mean switch back and forth? Oh yeah, we can do that. And then me. So, Please. Michael, what is your favorite animal? A giraffe. Hmm. If you could be a fairy or an elf, which would you be? A fairy. If here, I'm gonna ask this to both of you. If a kid is being bullied, what advice would you give them? Or someone. Gosh, it really, is, for me, it depends on the situation. But um, so this is after the bullying? Yeah. Well, find a, find a caring adult. Yeah, just the, the working on safety and security and helping this child with their confidence. Kind of things yeah. that you said, too, about getting to let go. But, yeah, this, that's kind of situation dependent. But offering love and security is the, is the first thing. After something like that's happened, you know, I would say, I would say too. I, I got bullied a little bit when I was a kid, seventh grade, eighth grade, and usually, if I if I ever was bullied, it was it was when I was by myself, like bullied. 
for whatever reason, never searched, never showed up when I was with other people. Mm. And I think in the world that we live in, you know, social media and phones and all of that, you know, if you are a young person and you're dealing with being bullied um, and, you know, there's immediate things you want to do. You want to let adults who are caring adults know, number one, you have a problem. But sometimes people don't always take you seriously, you know. So that's why I'm saying, you know, until the problem can be dealt with by an adult who steps in and and takes care of the bully, helps the bully to have, learn a lesson, uh, uh, to find their own hurt and get help. Um, there may be a time, a gap. There may be a time, a week, a month. There may be some time that passes before that can happen. So I would say, you know, in places where you know that the bullies are likely to be, try to equip yourself with always walking with a friend. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, because I think that that tends to make bullies less bold. Mm-hmm. I had a bully once where she was an angel around like her parents, my parents, my friends. But then when we got alone in a room for like five seconds, she would go off. Oh my gosh. It's an, it's so interesting that kids can do, do that. Like they put on like a fake face yeah. and basically, wow. Oh, I'm being super nice. But then like the moment you turn around or not, and so and nobody right. believes you when you say they say, oh, no, she's the nicest girl in the world. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's sometimes there's this gap between, you yeah. know, your experience and, and uh, you know, wow. keeping it to yourself because you're afraid of causing more problems Isn't has never worked for me. It's going to cause more problems when you hide it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And there's only one situation where she bullied me in front of people. And that did not really go well for her because she basically like showed her. Yeah, her bad side to everyone. Wow. Well, but, um, I'll say this, you know, in, in defense of bullies, like, yeah. which is something I don't hear people talk much about. Um, on my 55th birthday, Jill arranged for a birthday party for me mm-hmm. at some friends of mine's house that I went to high school with. And they invited a lot of people that I had gone to school with. And I grew up in a town where, most of the kids I knew, I knew from grade school all the way through high school. So they made a broad invitation to a number of people to come. And there were a couple of people who came to the party that night. It's my 55th birthday. And that night, I had a chance for the first time to, to hear a little bit about their childhood. And these couple of people were people that I would have considered bullies when I was in school. Yeah. And I was, it made sense, total sense to me when I heard it at 55 that these were young people who had terrible childhoods, parents, alcoholics, abusive, abusive fathers. And so then you look at it a little differently. And I'm not saying that bullies should be allowed to bully, but I'm saying when you look back on it, sometimes you see that there's, there's usually a reason why a young person is acting that way. Young people yeah. aren't born bullies. Yeah. Some stress in their life that they're afraid they're dealing with. Yeah. And so they're acting it out. So we can have compassion for everyone, the person who's being bullied and the person who's doing the bullying. We don't have to throw them away just because they're struggling to express themselves in a way that is positive and productive. Yeah. Exactly. I interviewed a woman once. Her name was Gabrielle Gray. And I asked her the same exact question, and she said, hurt people hurt people. And so yeah. that's because, like you said, bullies aren't born bullies. Right. There's always something going on in the background that 
they're afraid to share, and so they take it out on someone else, and then it some people take it out on them again when they really don't know what could be happening a thousand times worse than what they're giving off. Exactly. So, yeah, I that was a good message. So, we sadly have to wrap up. Okay. I wish we could talk all day. But can you remind our listeners where they can go to find out more about you both? Yeah, they can find out about me at michaelpetersononline.com. And um, uh, thisablevet.com. T-H-I-S. this, because we're not disabled. (laughs) And again, awesome. And again, definitely go check out their websites because they are so amazing. So will you guys join me in the sign-off? Sure. Okay. Remember, kids, we all have superpowers, and we can change the world. We're supposed to say that at the same time, right? (laughs) Okay. Is that what we say is we can change the world? Yep. You ready? We're ready now. We can change the world. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so, so much. You know what to do. Yeah, I'm going to work on it. Okay, okay, okay bye. My name's Jane anyway, right? <laughs> Goodbye, guys. Thank you so, so much. You make it a great day. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Superpower Up podcast, Superpower Kids edition. Go now to superpowerkids.com and discover your superpowers today. Yeah.